right, it is a Monday. Jays are in L.A. Thank God they got out of Seattle. How that was going to end up. It is Blair and Barker. That's Kevin Barker. I'm Jeff Blair. That's for those of you in TV on Sportsnet 360 or Sportsnet. As always, we're on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. If you're listening to us via podcast, leave a rating and a review. We have a great deal to talk about today. We're going to be joined, first of all, later on in the show by Eric Gagne. That'll be a lot of fun. Uh, he is host of the Game Over podcast, former L.A. Dodgers record-setting closer. And uh, he will join us at 6 o'clock. Dan Shulman is going to join us in a very few minutes as well, right out of the gate. Uh, boy, we've got a ton to talk about, Kevin. Um, starting with the Mariners, obviously, taking two of three from the Blue Jays. Uh, the Blue Jays' bullpen giving it up in the first two games. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez having a uh, say in things. Teoscar giveth and taketh or taketh and giveth. Um, what was the biggest storyline for you out of the weekend? Uh, I would say Alec Manoa was part of that. Uh, I would say that the biggest thing for me is Ross Atkins needs to hurry up and do something. Like I, I, I understand that, you know, they're trying and they're going to do some things, but I think the sense of urgency needs to to step it up a little. I, offensively, I think you're getting to the point where you're seeing some guys easier to pitch to, especially against some good teams, some good pitching staffs. You know, good pitching staffs can do that to a lot of lineups. With the, what, but with the expectations that the Blue Jays have, I just think sometimes it's a little too easy, right? You're you're allowing some double A kids to get in some grooves. That probably shouldn't be allowed to get in. Yesterday, was... I, well, I understand it's occasionally some 98s and 99s, which is not the easiest thing to hit. And that middle away thing, you know, you always yell and scream about that. It went and doubt go down and away. And when you can locate that, you're going to have success. But to be able to do that consistently to a lineup that has the names on the back of the jerseys that the Blue Jays have, I think that's one of the key things to take away from there. And, you know, I think the the jury was out a little bit whether they could be a great team. I don't think that's out anymore. I just don't think. I, I think I'm they're. I think they're a good team. I don't think right now this lineup, the, you know, the consistency of their pen. Uh, John Snyder and Pete Walker have to always pull the right strings and you know get, reach the right yeah, pocket. But you know what? I think I, I, I think that's a lot to ask. But you know what? I, so think, I think they're a really I, good team, not a great team. I almost think we need to move beyond that. <clears throat> yeah, maybe. The bullpen's been fine. It has. Um, they're not the only managers and manager and pitching coach that have to make the right decisions. Um, I, I mean, they're I just mean, not. I mean, when you're talking about a team going into the season, the expectation was to win the World Series, not make the playoffs, not win a series, n- not make it to the World Series, right? to win the World Series. Yeah. That, that's the point here, and that's where the urgency would come from if you're a fan of the Jays and you've watched the Jays against some good teams here lately, yeah, sort of I, how it's looked. I mean, they can hold their own. Can they consistently beat them? I, that's the I question think, you got to ask yourself. I think until the Jays lineup gets better. It's just talking about the bullpen and the starting rotation, frankly, is pointless. Starting rotation's good enough. The bullpen's good enough. Is it good enough to win a World Series? I don't know, but it's good enough to get there. I don't know if the lineup's good enough to get to the playoffs. Yeah, I don't know if the bullpen's good enough to make the World Series. I think it's good enough to get you to the playoffs. But my point is, I don't know if the lineup is. 
I'm the, with the you bullpen there. is the rotation definitely is. I don't know. I don't know if this lineup's good enough uh, to go to the playoffs. I mean, you know, I, I look at a lot of numbers. We're going to talk talk about double plays mm-hmm. later on, Kevin. I, and it isn't all just because of the fact they got a couple of real slow guys in this team. But you look at the double plays this year, most grounded into double plays this season. George Springer, 15 times. And let's George Springer hit into that many double plays, 15 times in 96 games. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., 14 times. Uh, I mean, Alejandro Kirk is grounded into the double play 12 times in just 74 games. Like, eh, you know, beyond some of those other numbers, I, I there's just not enough. There's not enough happening offensively with this team and you know we saw a situation on Sunday where I, I would have started the runner with with Alejandro Kirk at the plate the runner wasn't started we got a double play I mean they are a frustrating lineup to watch and I just don't think they're good enough right now as a lineup like I I think I, I think if, if if the Jays come out of this trade deadline and I at this point I really don't care what they move at this point, I I, I don't care what they move because gloves here's the off well, well, well yeah. gloves are off, and yeah, here's the thing. Here's the thing: uh, the lineup's not going to have Matt Chapman last year. Next year, it probably won't have Kevin Kiermaier or Whit Merrifield next year. You're going to have to make some major moves in the off season for the lineup in 2024. If you can make a deal now that gives you some help, not just this year but for 2024, then trade what you have to trade. Trade 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 what you have to trade. Uh, I, I don't, frankly, at this point, take anybody off the table. I'm not saying you back up the truck and move everybody completely. But, um, yeah, I, I I just think that you, you, you've you got to go out and you've got to make a major – you've got to make a major add to this team at the trade deadline. You've got to make a major add in the offseason as well. So if you can if you can do it now, then go ahead, go ahead and do so it. So you agree with me? Yeah. Everything I just said, you agree with? Me. Yeah, yeah I, except I, don't, I want to move off the whole the whole bullpen may not be the. I I, I don't feel I, I don't want us to feel bad for Pete Walker and John Schneider because because of the way they have to manage the bullpen because yeah, that's what yeah, everybody else yeah, in the I, major I, leagues I, is I, doing. I don't too. think that's the point. I think the point is you need predictability. A lot of the times they don't have that. They've got a that's fair amount. That's why you hear. That's why you hear the pot Richards, Mesa, but that's those are pocket guys, Romano? right? Yeah, well, I, I guess he's the ninth inning guy. I mean, I mean is is are you oozing confidence every time? That's the thing I'm talking about here. You're talking about winning World Series. That's why I'm talking about urgency to add things anyhow. that have predictability to it. Sort of like the guy you're trying to add in the in the lineup. Yeah. Predictability. That's uh, the Jays did avoid the sweep in Seattle. Alec Manoa. Looked better than he did in his last outing. Uh, kind of looked a bit like the Detroit outing to me against a better lineup. I, I liked what I saw from the sli- uh, of the slider, I should say. I saw enough from Alec Manoa to make me think that I'm okay with him as my fifth starter going forward. Didn't look right like now. he was self-correcting after every pitch. No. That's what I saw. Let's bring in Dan Shulman, the uh, voice of the Blue Jays on Sportsnet. Uh, ahead of a three-game series, by the way, tonight in... L.A. at Chavez Ravine. It'll be Jose Barrios against Michael Grove. First pitches at 10-10 tonight. Oof. Danny, thanks so much for joining uh, Kevin and myself. Look, a weekend in Seattle, the Jays fans come down and they take over the city. And I think we forget that, I mean, that's all fine and well, but Dan, the baseball team doesn't always play well in front of all those people. Maybe, should, should we maybe do this thing where for one series in Seattle, we ask Jays fans to just stay the hell away so we can maybe change it up a bit? 
Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, I know. Good luck with that. <laughs> uh, it is fun. And I know we talk about it endlessly on the broadcast, but uh, there's no other place like it. There's no other place where as many visiting fans fill up a home ballpark. Um, everybody seems, you know, pretty uh, well-behaved and all. I didn't hear about any issues. I know the players love it. Um, you know, walking around town is a little more challenging for the players in Seattle than it is anywhere else, but it, uh, but they love uh, they love knowing how they've got fans all over the country. So, um, you know, the, the three games in Toronto earlier this year, the three games here, uh, all felt like playoff games. Mm-hmm. All six of them felt like playoff games. And I think, unless I'm mistaken, all well, five of them were decided by one run, and the other one I think was 10 to 8 and maybe yeah. in 10 innings. Like every single one has been just an incredible nail-biter of the game. Um, it's great they won yesterday. I think they should have won all three. I think they, you know, they put themselves in position to win Friday and Saturday, and I just caught the tail end of what you guys were saying about the bullpen. And the bullpen's been good. It's been, you know, it, no matter what numbers you look at, ERA, inherited runners, save percentage, the bullpen's been an above-average bullpen this year, but on Friday and Saturday, it wasn't, uh, unfortunately. And, and uh, it's great they, they salvaged the last one as narrowly as they did, but uh, I'm still in the camp, like most people, I think, where instead of saying, you know, they're lucky to have as many wins as they do, you, you kind of feel, well, they should have a few more wins than they do so far this season. Were, they, were you surprised they sent Nate Pearson down? <sighs> uh, a little bit, yes. Uh, not shocked, but so there were three options, I guess. You know, Jay Jackson's kind of been on the shuttle, right? So yeah. they could have sent Jay Jackson down. They could have sent Nate down, or they could have tried to sneak Mitch White through waivers. Um, we can debate all day long the Mitch White situation. I think people who understand the situation don't necessarily always agree with it, but it is what it is. They don't want to lose him, and I guess they feel they would lose him or would risk losing him if they did. Um, I think they, from, from talking to John Schneider about it, they sent Nate down with a specific message. Arden talked about it on the broadcast yesterday about they, what they want him to do, and I think they feel he will be back. Now, whether that means in two weeks or September 1st, I don't know. But, you know, there would, there would be three or four outings where he was overpowering. He was great. And then the last two, he got rocked. Um, and, you know, I heard you, Kevin, use the word consistency just as I was coming on, and you do need consistency in your high-leverage guys. You know, nobody's perfect, but – I, I think you can feel in Swanson and in Mesa and in Richards, like you've got consistency, I believe, in um, in those guys. So the Mitch White thing is what it is. Um, Hyunjin Ryu's a few days away, and Chad Green may not be much behind him, and that requires two more roster spots. So I don't know how long they're going to dance this dance. I don't know who's going to um, go down when those guys are ready. Like we haven't seen Henesis or Yenesis Cabrera yet. We're going to see him. Uh, at some point, but they've got to figure out who their best 13 are. <clears throat> I'm trying to figure out a world where Mitch White's in anybody's best 13, to be honest. But, uh, you know, we can, we can, we can address that. I mean, that, that's clearly there's something there that nobody else sees with Mitch White. Um, Nate Pearson, Danny is, I mean, look, let's cut to the chase. Um, the, the, he he just looked awful against Seattle. Uh, the way he worked in the number nine hitter. I mean, Buck made the point. I'm not going to relitigate it. But Buck made the point. But he pitched like a guy who has no idea that he's capable of hitting three digits. I and mean, he really did. Or a guy who I don't know. A guy who's scared to to uh, I I don't know to call off the catcher. Whatever. It, it's frustrating watching Nate do that. 
and I'm at the point, Dan, where is it time for this guy to move on? Like, I, I almost get the sense we're at a point where this guy's a change of scenery guy because I'm not entirely certain he's going to figure it out here. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if that's the case yet. I, I think, again, we've seen glimpses of it, and that's good news, but it's also the frustrating part. It's a bit of a tease, right, because uh, you you know what potentially is in there. Um, uh, you know, it's funny. Buck, as you said, like on the air – wants him to throw more fastballs. And then Arden did a report saying that the Blue Jays feel he needs to, uh, if I understood it correctly, ju- it's not that they want him to throw fewer breaking balls. It's just that they he needs to throw better breaking balls because everybody is sitting on the fastball because they're discounting the breaking ball. They don't think he's throwing enough strikes, with a, whether it's the curveball or the slider, so they're teeing off of the fastball. So, um, it, it is confusing. A guy who throws 97 to 99 to me should get more swing and miss. But you know what? He, he, he's never really been that guy. Like, guys have hit his fastball okay at times, even with the velocity that he is. So, um, you know, to, to me, it's a, it's, it's a little bit confusing. And, and I, think it's about loca- I, I think it's about location with the fastball, and I think it is, it's about location with everything. I think if he can – snap off a better curveball, it makes the fastball better. I think if you can locate the fastball, they'll chase the slider more. You know, they all, it's a Rubik's cube, right? right. They all interact with one another. I don't think, well, it, I mean, it's almost August, so I, I'm not in the change of scenery mindset now. I, I think the, the focus now, again, is who are your best 13? And that can change from week to week. In the off season, who knows, maybe, maybe it's a different story. But right now, I think you send them back down and you give them specific messages and, and or a specific message, and you you see if he can improve and come back. And, again, somebody can get hurt, right? And he may be the best option to come back next week. You don't know that. Um, but uh, for me, it's it's all about figuring out who your best 13 is. You, you may just sort of answer this when you said week to week. I, I wonder when Ryu comes back with the way the other guys are throwing now. You say Kikuchi, Alec Manoa. I, I, I wonder – if the six-man rotation thing will work. It's rare that that works, right? The the other guys talk a lot about it. When they did have the four-man rotation, they were talking about routines and disrupting that, and we've done our job long enough, and, you know, basically you guys need to get somebody in here so we can get back to routines. Six-man, that would sort of mess it up, too. I mean, that doesn't sound like that's the easiest thing to sell. You no, think it will be? Um, yeah, no, I, I, well, if they're going to do it, I think they're going to do it temporarily. Here, yeah. Here's what I, here's what I'm guessing. I, um, so Ryu throws a side session, say tomorrow or whatever, and then he's cleared to go. I don't, I don't know if he's going to make another one for Buffalo. You know, the Manoa start last night was interesting. It, it definitely wasn't bad enough where you say, okay, he can't start again. Yeah. But was it good enough to say, yeah, he's in there? I don't see Alec Manoa coming out of the bullpen. I, I just don't see that no, at all. I think he's hard either, enough either. No, right. So he's either starting for the Blue Jays, or if they don't feel that can work, maybe he you know goes back down. But they have this stretch Friday, as you guys know, seventeen days, seventeen games in seventeen days. If you have off days, I don't think you can sell a six man for a couple of reasons because now you're pitching once a week, and you need Kevin Gosman pitching more than once a week. You right. need Jose Barrios pitching more than once a week, mm-hmm. and Chris Bassett. They're too good. So, but this seventeen and seventeen stretch that starts Friday, I don't. This is just my little math mind working here. Like you could go six six five, right? You could go through the six man rotation twice. That that gobbles up twelve of the games, and then you decide. And maybe you know, as as we always say in baseball, 
these things have a way of sorting themselves out, right? And, and you never know. Somebody somebody doesn't pitch well. Somebody tweaks a hamstring. Who knows? But um, I don't think it's a, a bad idea to do it twice through the, the rotation in this 17-day stretch to get the, the Gosmans and the Bassets an extra day there. And then you decide who your five are. Now, the other thing is that means you only have seven relievers. You don't have six. Uh, you don't have eight. I'm sorry. So that means somebody else has to uh, – if Ryu comes back and you go with a six-man rotation, you're sending a current reliever on this team down. Is that Jay Jackson? Does Genesis Cabrera only last a few days? Do they DFA Mitch White? I, I don't know what the answer is. But um, you go six and seven for a while. But I would strongly consider that. Just for, say, the first 12 days of that 17-day stretch, the guys get an extra off day. Then you pick your best five, and you see where you're at. Speaking of Kevin Gossman, uh, what did you make of his first performance after, not just after the All-Star break, but an extended break, right? His uh, velo was down pretty much across the board, almost two miles an hour. Uh, I, I don't know what to, how much of that has anything to do with the side or, again, the lack of sharpness. What was your read on it and... And uh, I, I guess the most important thing is I, I kind of got the sense there were no red flags from the Jays in terms of health, unless I was right. you know, mi- misinterpreting what was said. No, I, I think you're right. All I heard was him saying, you know, talking about the rust factor and that sort of thing. And, um, you know, we talked about it early in the game. There were a lot of 91-92s early right. in the game. And eventually he got to 93-94. But, you know, usually he starts 94, and we see some 96s and maybe even a 97. And, and he talked about the layoff. So, um, I think with Gosman, you know, assuming there are no health issues with that side discomfort, whatever it is, um, th- that's one of those where you just make a little mental note to keep an eye on it in the next start. And if it normalizes in the next start, then it's done. If it occurs again in the next start, then you ask a few more questions. So uh, I think that's kind of where I'm at right now. And I know we give up the four homers. Um, he also struck out nine, didn't walk a batter. Like he's still Kevin Gosman, right? It's it's. He is amazing. He really is. So, um, Dan, you know, we'll I, I got to I got to tell yeah. you. Sometimes I come away more impressed from Kev, with Kevin Gossman in days where he's not that great than oh, yeah. in days where he's well great. Said, yeah. I, I really oh, yeah. do. I, I agree with you because if you are Chris Bassett um, and one pitch isn't working, you've got six or seven others you can try <laughs> to figure out. Yeah. If you're Kevin Gossman, I mean, I know he throws some sliders to righties every now and again, and that can help him a little bit. But he's really got two pitches, and he's added the you know the down in the zone four seamer to for a variety of reasons that we've all talked about, and we understand that that's great. But his margin for error, I think, is smaller because his repertoire is smaller. Even Barrios, like Barrios, throws four pitches, and he throws all four of them between twenty percent and thirty percent of the time, which mm-hmm. I think is fantastic. I love that. Um, but Gosman's got to be, you know, he's always got to be adjusting and tinkering and thinking a step ahead of the batters and what are they thinking? What are they sitting on? What are they not chasing? That sort of thing. He's, he's terrific. He's had between a lack of run support and that historically bad balls and play luck that he had last year. Like you can make an excellent case. He's been an extreme tough luck pitcher mm-hmm. for this team. And I know nobody adds up when, you know, pitcher wins don't mean much anymore, but he's been a, a tough luck guy. You can make a case. He's been about as good as any starting pitcher in baseball the last two years. Absolutely. This is my first Boba question all season to you, Dan. So 
Just wanted to give you that little heads up before I ask All you. Right. Oh, he's five, he's five for his last 28. He's got eight strikeouts. His last nine games, he's hitting 216. Now, obviously, in those last nine games, it's against the Diamondbacks, the Padres, and Seattle. Pitching, starting pitching, especially, has been really, really good. It's the fastball away. It's the timing after the All-Star game. It's playing every single day. Now, dare I ask, because we have seen him shaking out that bottom hand, and he is chasing a little bit more. That's the one word, chasing when you start chasing sometimes, now that could be you're tired. You know, he does have a ton of moving parts. I, I just mentioned the teams he's facing. I mean, you face 98 with sliders. I mean, And you got a yep. bunch of really smart people trying to get you out because you're hitting a bazillion. All those things add up to 5 for 28 with eight strikeouts. I mean, it's not a big deal. But the chasing part of it and him shaking his hand out, sometimes I went through that. You, you, you're chasing, you're trying to create a little something to make up for something. You heard anything about that? Maybe that's a fact or no. Uh, yeah, no. So, like, you know, you probably saw because, uh, you know, we talked about it on the year, the, the shaking out of the hand. He did it twice in the same at bat, I think, in yeah. that one game. And I don't think it's been done since. He missed a game against the Marlins with uh, some thumb discomfort. Now, that's like six weeks ago. So, I don't know if there's any connection between A and B uh, or not. But, um there might be a little something there. I think you're right. These are good. The Blue Jays have seen a lot of good pitchers, really yeah. good pitchers, mm-hmm. recently with good velocity. And like even the kid yesterday, Brian Wu, I mean, mm-hmm. he didn't miss a spot for most for the first few innings. Like it wasn't 96 thigh high middle of the zone. It was 96 on the outside corner just above the knees. Like, I mean, it was really good stuff. But it does look like the game plan. I, I mean, Bo gets up and in and he gets down and away, whether it's with a fastball. Um, or the breaking ball down and away, but he gets he gets fastballs up and in uh, that he, you know those are the ones he kind of fouls off to right field, and then he gets fastballs outside, and they try to get him to chase. So I think it's a combination uh, of some good pitching, but I think that hand thing, uh, you know, and again we're not privy to everything, right? right. But I think that hand thing is something to to keep an eye on, and and but he's not the kind to wince and grimace and make something look worse than it is. He's the opposite of that, right? Like his he's He'll he'll just spit and keep it inside in the batter's box, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, but but we'll see. Maybe they you know maybe they give him a day or a partial day. They've got a day off on Thursday, so um, you know maybe he gets a a little break here and there, and, and hopefully is raring to go by the time they get back home. On maybe Friday. hitting's just really hard, Dan. Maybe that's hitting what it, is, it looks <laughs> really hard. I mean, it's never it's, been as hard. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's yeah, it. Looks it. harder now than it's ever been, and and. Yeah. You know, yeah, even if the starter's pretty good, by the time you get to the seventh inning, you're well, gonna see you're gonna see Andres Munoz throwing hundred and one or something right. like that. I mean hitting's never been harder. I, I'm completely convinced That's of that. Crazy. Danny, last question, because I know we just have you for a couple of minutes. What was your read on Danny Jansen's uh situation yesterday? Was there any did you get a sense at all that there was any concern? Well, as luck would have it, he and I went to the same place uh just coincidentally. We bumped into each other getting coffee about an hour ago. There so, you go. Um, he has a little uh, rap on it, and mm-hmm. I just said to him, how you doing? And he said, I'm good. So we didn't talk about – Right. Um, you know, then we went into a long conversation about whether people call us Dan, Danny, or Daniel. So that was my <laughs> research for the day. So that's that's my in-depth new – I will break that story on the air. There you go. But, uh, Can't wait. Um, but it, I don't know if he's going to play, um, but I think they dodged a bullet. And maybe Tyler Heidemann's here. I, I don't know that right. yet. Um, but from the way Jansen answered the question, um, I, I think he's okay. Great. Danny, really good of you to do this, my friend. Yeah. Uh, it's always great being in Chavez Ravine. I'm sure you'll have a great call tonight. Have fun. We look forward to it. Thanks, Thanks buddy. again. 
All right, guys. Talk to you soon. See you later. Take care. That's Stan Shulman, the voice of the Blue Jays. 10-10 is the first pitch tonight. See, every now and then I go, I wish I was there. I wish I was at Dodger Stadium. Dodger Stadium, spectacular. Uh, the conversation about Bo Bichette was fascinating. There's one team in baseball that has had Bo figured out. And we know the Houston Astros. We always talk about that. What do the Houston Astros Fastballs do? Away. Fastballs away. Mm-hmm. They get him to chase breaking balls away as well. Yeah, I'm fastballs not sure. Away. I, for me, I'm not sure that's it. I've seen him take a fastball away and hit a line drive to down the right field line. I've seen him get out in front of that and backspin it to right center. I, I he's me, getting more fast. He's getting yeah, teams I'm, are attacking him. I'm going to flip it on the other side of he plays every single day and baseball's never been as hard to hit as it is now. Like when you're an everyday player in the khakis, you're sitting over there and it's game planning to get Bo out. Nine games hitting 216 against three teams that know how to pitch. I mean, look, they're they're going and it's at 96. It's it's not when I played at 90. I mean, it'd be one thing if it was 90 consistently. It's not. I mean, again, they're Dude. tunneling that thing and they're you know it's it's again. I, I just wonder about the all the parts and trying to get the foot down and you know catching it out front. I if wanna... you're a little late on that, that's a foul ball. Now all of a sudden you're starting to cheat because you're tired and maybe the thumb and the wrist and those things are hurting. This... You're you're cheating to get to those kind of things. Uh, Chris Black, one of our Blue Jays producers. It's interesting. Blue Jays top two in the batting order in the last seven weeks. 30th in pitches seen, 22nd in hits, tied for 22nd in home runs, 26th in on base, 30th in run value. Springer and Bichette have not been very good combined yeah. for the last. Yeah, that's why we've been yelling and screaming for uh, since spring training started about them having a cleanup hitter. Like uh, consistently, you're not going to see every one of these dudes. That This is why they put Brandon Belt hitting third. Is because when those two dudes struggle and Vladdy walks up, especially when Springer sees 3.5 pitches mm-hmm. per plate appearance and Bo sees 3.7 pitches per plate appearance, Bo Bichette's five for his last 28 with eight strikeouts and George Springer is five for 29. That's why you have Brandon Bell. I know everybody rolls their eyes and I'm one of them. Why are you doing it? That's the reason. Because Vladdy quite frankly, doesn't know how to have an at-bat when those two dudes are struggling. And now you're seeing two outs on three pitches, and Vladdy mm. comes up and says, what do I do now? Do I swing at the sinker in? Do I take it? Do I work counts? Do I take the one down the middle? Oh, oh, how do I have it? And this is why you have Brandon Bell. So, again, this is why you have nine dudes. This is why I said the urgency for the GM to do something quick. You can't say that enough. Like, it, it's time. Like, you know what the... You know what their weakness is, right? It, it's it's a dude in the middle, and I say dude, not just saying a barker, a dude. All year, guys are just not going to get hot and stay hot. Again, pitching's never been better. It hasn't. They the velocities. There's no fastball counts. They're gonna. We've seen them throw three o breaking balls to the eight hole hitter. We've seen it. They don't care about that anymore. So. That's my point. Like, it's it's hard to hit a baseball, and occasionally a couple of dudes are going to struggle. Yeah, they would be nice if they never did. But they're human beings. And, well, you know, for the most part, Springer plays all the time. We yeah. know both plays all the time. So, and again, baseball hitting a baseball is very hard, and this is why they need to add some pieces to help some guys out and just make it to where every single time they walk up, they don't think they have to carry the team. Bo's been carrying the team all season. I... Have got to think, knowing how much baseball people 
all think they can reinvent the wheel. I mean, they just do. Absolutely. They, they've they've no always question. thought they can reinvent oh, yeah. the wheel. I will be surprised if Nate Pearson is still here after the trade deadline. I, I'm with you. You know, I, I, I'm I looking at scenery. And I'm looking at what they possibly have to offer up. Mitch White's on the team, and, and mm. Nate Pearson's not. I mean, for me, if you're taking a step back and you're a Jays fan, that's all you need to know. I mean, I know what they're telling you. I don't throw a breaking ball. There's a hundred. You can throw 102 miles an hour. Like I can walk up if I'm Pete Walker and say, "Don't don't throw the breaking ball to the nine hole hitter." I can do that. And he won't throw the breaking ball to the nine-hole hitter. So there has Except to be some. He did. There's some yeah, that was in the <laughs> at bat. My right. point is before you actually walk out there, I can tell you to do it. He won't do it because he throws 102 miles an hour. That's the point. There has to be some other reason. So, yeah, I'm with you. At some point, somebody got in this dude's ear and told him it's all about spin. Well, I know that he's been away to your heart's content, these guys young do man. Go, spin go away. To, these guys do go to things at, in the off season. That's not what the organization and you're saying, right? It's you throw very hard. It's very hard to adjust to breaking balls if you can tunnel that thing. Make it look like your heater. I mean, there have been That's guys. Why they spin it. There have been guys that you know. I, I'm thinking of guys like Jason Adam. I'm thinking of guys like Brian Baker. There have been guys of this organization simply and, go to different teams. And, granted, granted, those guys were not at the same level as as Nate Pearson, who was a prospect. But and I'm not just saying this is the Blue Jays. You see it happen with a lot of teams. A lot of teams just don't know what to do with a guy. They just they got no clue, and that guy moves on, and becomes tremendous. That's just the way it is. Whether it's a different different set of eyes or, or, or different voice in the guy's I, head. I, and, I, I, and I think that's, I think that's I where do, we are. I do think it gets back to the predictability thing. I think this time of the year, they need some seventh inning guys. They need an eighth inning guy. They need whenever you call down and ask for this dude to get loose, they need to know what they're going to get. You have any idea what you're going to get from Nate? Be honest. Uh, Kind of, yeah. If he's facing the middle of the order, up a run in the seventh inning, you you can sit here and tell me you have you seriously just, have a clue about what you're going to get. I, I I mean I don't know. Sending him down to the minors is going to change that. Yeah, I, I think you read between the lines there. I, I, is it going to change? You're trying it? to get one guy to see what he's got, so maybe you can get rid of one guy to piece it together to get what you need to make your team better. Uh the Blue Jays, despite all that, the Blue Jays are in third place in the AL East. They are six and a half back. They currently hold down a wild card spot. Why does it seem like they don't have a wild card spot? It seems it like does. they. It seems like it they really are, does. Uh, it seems like they are the worst team in the AL East. <laughs> it does. No, seriously, folks, it, it, it really, really feels does. That way, uh, combination of how they lose games, yeah. where they lose games, when they lose games, and the fact that they play in the East. Folks, I do have to tell you, there are a couple of teams that are worse than the Blue Jays in the American League East. They are the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees. A lot happened in the AL East this weekend. We got a new team atop the leaderboard. We'll talk about it when we take a look around the division. We'll do our weekly feature in the East when we come back. We've got Eric Gagne as well. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fans. Sportsnet 360 and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Covering the Raptors in depth like no one else. The Raptor Show with Will Lou. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
All right. Unusually uh, spunky for Monday. I'm always spunky, Jeff. Speak for yourself. Eric Gani will join us in the next hour. We've got tickets to give away to see the Jays and the Angels down at the Rogers Center. Ooh, we'll do that in the Otani. 6 o'clock hour. Otani Fest. Fingers crossed he's still there. Oh, yeah. You think so? Yeah, I do too. I think he's. I, uh... I, I don't know. I, I wonder if it's possible for the Angels to keep Otani and still sell. Yeah, absolutely. This. I don't know. I, wonder about I don't that. know who else you'd want, but sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess. Take somebody on that. On that team. Ten ten is the first pitch tonight. Jose Brios oh, against Michael you Grove. Stay watch, watch that. Yeah, I will. You A will. reminder that. <laughs> Raise your right hand. So- <laughs> a reminder that Wednesdays, uh, that was the right hand on TV, right? Wasn't it? Any- uh, yeah, I'm going to stay up and watch it, of course. I watch every pitch. Oh, yeah. Wednesday's yeah. a 410 first pitch. DVR. I'll be watching that. That's what that's called. No. <laughs> Save. It's called Jason 30 is what that's called. No, come what? on. They gave it up in the seventh. Come on. Come on, no, I'll, yeah, I'll watch the I'll watch the whole game tonight. Oh man, got me some popcorn or, or something else. Yeah, maybe a little warm yeah, milk yeah, and a absolutely. cookie. Warm oh, milk, no question. Yeah, warm milk and a cookie. What's your go-to cookie? Huh? What's your go-to cookie? Uh, maple cream. What? Yeah. <laughs> oh, look at their faces in there. Well, yeah, but what do they know? They're, they're like two years their old. Their faces look like mine. They're two oh. years old. Where do you get that at? I've got a special you grow uh, it location. in the yard. <laughs> Andrew Holland said the old folks store. Dad's cookies. That's when you know you're old is when you're eating uh, them and their dad's. No, I kind of like those. Uh, I like those little, those Italian wafer twi- type things too. Quadratini or whatever they're called. The Italian You're one wafers, of those people like that them. buy stuff that you know nobody else is going to eat. So it'll be sitting in your cupboard forever or in your refrigerator. Because you know there's no chance anybody else would either drink that or eat that. You know what time That's it what is? That- because it's Monday. Let's move yeah. the show along. In the East. In the East. Well, we talked last Monday about how the AL East could look a little different in a week's time. And uh, well, here we are. We're what? Uh, one way, eight days, I guess, from the trade deadline and the Baltimore Orioles. My Baltimore Orioles have a two-game <laughs> lead on the now second-place Tampa Bay Rays after taking three or four games this weekend at the Trop. Um, that... <laughs> That was the Orioles' first series win in Tampa since June 2017. If you're if you're keeping track, that's 16 series. Wow. Like, that is hard to do. So, Kevin, I want to ask you this. What does the Orioles taking three of four from the Jays, does it say more about the Orioles or more about the Rays? Well, can I, can I, can I? No. <laughs> I, this is what I think. I think if the Orioles add a Lucas Giolito, they're the best team in the American League. That's what I think. How's that? Very first time all season I'm going to say that. I just said it. Better than than the Texas Rangers. Pretty hard to uh, pretty hard to argue. Uh, Ryan O'Hearn homered in the sixth inning for the go-ahead run, and uh, manager Brandon Hyde opting to stay lefty on lefty at that point. Gunnar Henderson, who had, an, had himself a week, slammed a 446-foot home run off the center field catwalk. Felix Batista picked up his fourth save in five days. By the way, Gunnar Henderson's 2.8 baseball reference war B-war is best among, NL, among AL rookies. 
is just ahead of Yannier Cano. So you know how well the Orioles are doing. They haven't been 20 games over 500 this early in a season since 1997. Um you know, I, we've talked about this. They're expected to deal for at least one starting pitcher, I think, before the deadline. And they've certainly got the prospects to go all in. And when you when you look at the workload Brandon Hyde has, has asked of his relievers and starters, it's obviously a necessity. If you look at Sunday starter, Tyler Wells, prime example. He's 28 years old, leads major, led the major leagues in whip going into Sunday's game. But, Kevin, he's already pitched 111 innings. That's a career-high Hyde took him out Sunday after he'd walked four and hit two batters. And this was what Brandon Hyde said. And I think he hit on maybe the single biggest reason that the Orioles need to go out and get a starter at the deadline. I think his, like, last time a little bit, command wasn't right, wasn't really there. Um, you know, he doesn't normally hit guys or walk people. That's league leader and whip for a reason. Um, and so just a little bit. When, when he's walking guys with a lot of three two counts, um, I just want to make sure that that's kind of why I took him out of the game, honestly, just because it wasn't normal Tyler Wells outing. And so uh, we're continuing to monitor him. He's throwing a lot of innings, and he's not used to this many innings. And um, but we need him, and and uh, that's why I took him out when I did. Yeah, that's a real challenge for this team is because they're also Felix Batista has also logged a lot of. Uh, I mean, he's got more strikeouts. Yeah, Joe, I think in something like eighteen qualifiers. A uh, uh, Joe Kelly would look really good in that bullpen. Oh. Give you an experienced guy down the stretch. They need experience. I mean, you can't teach that. They got athleticism running all over the field. But to your point, and to Brandon's point, they're sixteenth in starters ERA. They're nineteenth in pitches per inning. Mm. That's a big number. A I mean, bad that, that, combination. Well, that's basically showing you everything you got yeah. early, right? And that's not a, a very good thing. So. For me, they're one starter away. You can hide a bunch of things. If that one dude is giving you a quality start plus something else, and if they got that plus everything else they got, they're a really good team. Same time, though, as we mentioned, they did take three or four games in that series. This was Tyler Wells when asked about the Orioles and, and just where they are as a team right now. I mean, it feels great. Um, you know, obviously, I didn't do my job today as a starter, but, you know, Bauman came in, picked me up, um, you know, and Cano and Batista doing an outstanding job, you know, especially as of late, you know, pitching, I think, what, you know, three out of four this series. They, they've done an incredible job, and that's, you know, that's what our team is about, is picking each other up, and, uh, you know, I can think that, you know, that's a big reason why we're in first place right now, and hopefully that continues, but uh, extremely proud of the guys and uh, very thankful to have all of them. I mean, pitchers' wins don't always mean anything. We talked about this, but when I see a middle reliever who's seven and zero, that does tell me something about the team. And Michael Bauman is again the Orioles. Who the hell is Michael Bauman? Yeah. Well, he's a guy who Brandon Hyde relies on, and a guy who comes through for him. Yeah, you have to have that right on really good teams. You have to have it a surprise. The Blue Jays been looking. You know, maybe that's Trevor Richards. I don't want yeah. to say he's a you know surprise, I, but everything he does and when he does it. Yeah, they're one piece away. I just think knowing that that big name walks to the door, the door to help out a team that lacks experience is a giant deal. If they add that with everything else they got, maybe what can they do then? They're above 500 on the road and at home. They'll, that just tells you they have enough talent to beat teams. Now it's just the experience when the lighters are the brightest to have that dude on the mound who can control everything. The uh, Rays have lost 12 of their last 18 games at the Trop. They haven't managed back-to-back wins at home since June 8th to June 9th. And, uh, well, this is Kevin Cash being asked about his team. 
You mentioned the lineup's too good to go this quiet. Is it just a matter of patience then, or is there any sort of urgency to shake things up? I mean, look, I'm guessing every guy in there right now is feeling a sense of urgency of, like, wanting to, to contribute and wanting to, you know, be that, that, that big swing or have that big swing that gets us going. It's just not coming right now. So here's where we are. The Orioles have three games against the Phillies, then they've got three at home against the Yankees. By the way, the Orioles will be in Toronto on trade deadline day for a four-game series. Think about that. The Rays have got two against the Marlins, three against the Astros. We mentioned the Yankees and Red Sox are both two back of the third-place Jays. The Yankees have two games against the Mets, then they go on to face the Orioles. The Red Sox have two in Atlanta, then they head out in the West Coast. The Yankees swept the Royals this weekend, and uh, they capped it off with an 8-5 win on Sunday, which Anthony Rizzo, Finally Homer to end a 45-game drought. Wow. It felt good. It felt good pregame coming in. I, I felt like something just, I felt something different that finally felt nor- felt weird, but I knew it was normal. So the first at bat, staying on the changeup away, felt really good and, uh, you know, gave me a little bit more belief in what I was doing, and uh, that's really all it takes. Didn't seem like you minded the silent treatment after that one either. No, no, I knew it was coming, but uh, I tried, tried high-fiving them, but they weren't budging. That uh, is Anthony Rizzo with Meredith Markovitz. Uh, you know, look, I, if you're the Yankees, Kevin, I mean, I guess you take your good your good news you can get it. Aaron Judge took his first game speed swings in months. Nestor Cortez started his rehab assignment. Um, but, man, Rizzo's outing was the biggest plus for a team that has just been cobbling together offense, and this is what Aaron Boone had to say about that. No question. When you're going through it, it's not easy. It's not fun. Um but, you know, he's got a lot of support in that room. And, uh, again, everything points to we should be able to get that out, you know, with the physical attributes he still possesses. So um, it's Kansas a good day City. for him. Excited for him. Yeah, I, I mean, it's say, Kansas, Kansas City. City. I, I don't know what you take away from this. Uh, DJ lemayhu has got one RB on his last 15 games. That stinks. Like, be better. I, I think they're to the point now with just how much experience they have the judge thing is sort of a cloud over them that everybody obviously in that room thinks about and says, well, we can't win baseball games without it. They get their next 12 games. I think you mentioned the Mets, the Orioles, the Rays, and the Astros. Yeah. We're going to find out if the lineup can do anything again, excuse me, against some good teams who know, know how to add and subtract. I just don't know what you, you can do as an organization. They need like three pieces in their lineup. How do you go out and get that? Yeah, I don't. Uh, and and they don't have, you know, some of their young players are guys that they're being counted on. I mean, you're not going to trade Anthony Volpe to get anything. Labor Torres, their best hitter. I, I, I Labor just, Torres, I can't, by I the can't way, say that out loud enough. Labor Torres left hip injury. Yeah, like so before that, go. he was the he was the best hitter they had. That's where it's at with this team. I just, I don't know how it gets better. Maybe just if they rush Judge back, just put him in the lineup. Even him standing there. May give everybody else confidence. You make of the Boston Red Sox. They've took two or three from the Mets. They win a game 6-1 Sunday. They have seven pitchers that limited the Mets to six runs. Brennan Bernardino, Chris Murphy, Josh Winkowski, Yoeli Rodriguez, Joe Jocks, Joe Jakes, I guess, Chris Martin, and Brandon Walker. Um, the Red Sox are remarkable. You know, you look at where they were. Uh... They were eight and a half games behind the Orioles on June 30th. Um, they're eight and a half behind them now, which is the same amount of ground. I mean, the same amount of ground they picked up in the Rays over the past month. 
I mean, you look at this team, the Red Sox, five back of the Yankees. They swept the series in Toronto, right? Yeah. Now they're tied with the Yankees. They're two out of their third wild card. I mean, they've had all these health issues, Whitlock, mm-hmm. Sale. Uh, and, you know, they're winning games. Yeah, look at that lineup. It's There's a lot more depth to that lineup than I think than I think we lead on. If they can just stop hurting themselves with some just some just atrocious atrocious decisions yeah defensively. L- l- let's be honest they they want to mini back the truck up like offensively they're top seven in baseball and everything like they do some things offensively they're left and right-handed they're hard to pitch to offensive or uh pitching wise and baseball iq whether that's youth whether they're not uh, speaking the right language there. Defensively, they're not real good. That might tell you people are playing out of position that shouldn't be playing in certain positions. They need to trade a couple of guys to get better in their rotation for next year. But can they do that as the big, bad Red Sox? I don't see it happening. So you're sort of going to see this. You're going to see it's up and down, up and down, and they're sort of going to be right here because of the way they hit. I look at the the Jays, the Yankees, and the Red Sox, and I have a hard time finding the type of prospects in any of those three organizations you need to make that big blockbuster deal. I could be wrong. You know, again, everybody rates everybody else's prospects differently. But it's odd because the two teams in this division that are setting the pace, Baltimore and Tampa, are also the ones best placed to make deals Yep, to get better at the deadline. Uh, it's time now for Between the Lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Mark Boffo joins us. All right, guys. So you were talking about it. New series starting up at Chavez Ravine. Blue Jays taking on the Dodgers tonight. We got Jose Barrios versus Michael Grove in the pitching matchup. And we want to take a look at the total tonight. Bet Rivers has it set it over nine and a half runs, over under nine and a half runs, I should say. Do you see this? Where do you see this total going tonight? Parker? Uh, I'm going to take the over. Each of the Dodgers' last 13 games against the American League opponents have gone over the total runs line. Three other reasons. The Do- You're going to love these, Jeff. The Dodgers are second in runs scored on Monday. The Jays' pitcher's ERA on Monday are 30th in baseball at 7.52. And the fourth reason is I'm tired of seeing good pitching. I want to see it <laughs> getting down and getting it singing. So I'm taking the over. I got nothing to I got nothing to add. I was going to take I obviously hadn't done the research you did, especially the Monday. I got to figure out where you're getting all these damn Monday stats from. Uh, but yeah, this just—I I see a lot of doubles being hit in this Absolutely. game. Absolutely, I see—I I see a lot going on. I see a lot going. On. I'm with you. I take the over uh, in this mm. particular game. I knew you'd love my sets. <laughs> that was between the lines. Brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. Where do you find those Monday and Tuesday stats, Boff? You got it. Don't worry about that. Boffo's not finding those. That's me doing my work. Yeah. Hmm. By the way, you'll notice that uh, Mark's got a little ad here for Jumbo's Clown Room. If you are in Los Angeles, folks, and you want to enjoy a night out with the family, why not take them to Jumbo's Clown Room? <laughs> Is that still open? <sighs> Let me see. It's, it's got to be. I don't know why it would I don't know it'd be, yeah. I don't know why it'd be closed. I, 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 mean, I would think COVID would be hard on that place. That's just, that's just me. But 
No, I'm thinking. No, 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 no. No? No, oh, come on. No, no. <laughs> let, there, there are people wearing... So you're, you I'm seem sure, to be the only person that went listen, to that place. Listen, there, <laughs> listen, there are folks wearing masks in Jumbo's clown room way before COVID hit, my friend. Way before COVID <laughs> Were hit. Were you one of them? Yeah. <laughs> You'd take your shirt off and wrap it around your face. Uh, that is, stop it. Speaking of uh, Los Angeles... Jesus. Speaking of Los Angeles... <laughs> Eric Gagne is a 2003 NL Cy Young winner with the Dodgers. He's host of Game Over. Uh, it's a podcast, both it's on YouTube, both in English and French. This guy was something else, man. Yeah. Most single saves in a season in the NL, 55 in 2003. 84 consecutive sa- saves from 2002 wow. and 2004. If you want to have a fun experience, check out the showdown between him and Barry Bonds. Bonds was a six-time MVP. And uh, Eric Gagne was the reigning Cy Young uh, award winner. Just watch what Bonds does to a 101-mile-an-hour pitch. That's all I'm going to say. Mm. It's, uh, it is pretty remarkable. Eric Gagne will join us. We'll talk about the Dodgers. We'll talk about closing. All that ahead. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan, Sportsnet 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast.